what's coming. <laughs> You're my oxygen, my very breath, the source of life, the source of rest. Good morning, everyone, and happy first day of spring. It's March the 
20th, and that marks the beginning, the official beginning of, of spring. So summer is not far behind. And so we're excited for you to be here today. We're glad to join together in the house of the Lord for, for worship. And we're, we're thankful that the Lord has given us this privilege and we have the freedom um, in our country to gather together and meet in His name. If you're visiting with us this morning, um, thanks for joining us. It is a great pleasure. Um, whether you're listening online or you're sitting here with us, um, we are glad that you are, are here and we hope you enjoy the service. Um, we have a, a little card in the bulletin. You may see that looks like this. We call it a, a Connect card. It's just how you can communicate with us. So if you have any questions about um, something or you need to let us know of information or maybe change address or, or your email, just list that on this card and drop it in the offering plate in just a few minutes. Also, if we can pray with you about something, um, just take a moment and jot that prayer request on the card and drop it in the in the offering plate. Or if you don't have one of these cards, you can scribble it on a piece of paper. Anyway, we want to join with you in prayer. But just please let us know if it's all right for us to share it on our email or whether you'd rather that be kept private. And we'll honor your request. But we are excited that we can gather together in the name of the Lord and worship in the name of the Lord. And before we read from Romans chapter 6 this morning, let me just... Um, remind you of a few things. First of all, as we are still continuing to collect our offering for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering, which goes for North American missions, and just like we saw in the video, that is not just in the continent of the United States. It also supports our mission work in Puerto Rico, and you may have noticed that some of the individuals had um, t-shirts on that said Send Network, Um, and SIN Network is a, a partnership between the North American Mission Board and the International Mission Board to um, provide um, help and um, relief efforts to people in, um, in different parts of the world. And, you know, Puerto Rico is recovering from, you know, just the devastation of a hurricane um, probably a couple of years ago and still in many ways rebuilding. And um, the money that we give through our offerings not only supports missionary work there, but also supports to help, um, supports efforts to um, to rebuild um, neighborhoods, to rebuild churches, and to establish the work of the kingdom. But probably the greatest thing you saw in that video was that young lady sharing with that lady at her house. And then she said, you know, after she shared that, th- that she prayed and she received Christ. And so the most exciting thing about um, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering is that when we give, it allows men and women, families, to go and share the good news of Jesus, the most powerful best news there is and the thing that will transform our, our nation I mean, our culture and our world. And so just remember, it's not too late to give. There's envelopes available, or you can just put it in the, the offering plate and just put Annie Armstrong, put offering, Easter offering, and we'll get it in the, the right place. Let me remind you of a couple of other things. Men, tomorrow morning, 6.30 a.m. at the Elk Diner will be men's breakfast. So I uh, hope you'll join us for that time of, of prayer and fellowship as we share a meal together. And then also on Wednesday, we'll resume our normal evening activities. So we'll have Bible study and lunch starting at 11. And then that evening at 6, our students will meet. And at 6.30, we have prayer meeting. So if you have not been able to be a part of that or would like to give it a try, we would love you to join us for a time of prayer on Wednesday. Um, I'd like for us to to read this morning from Romans chapter 6. And we'll read the first 14 verses together before we, we pray and Ask the Lord to to bless our offering. But listen as I I read and you follow along. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. 
What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. We know that the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for, un- for, for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are no not under law, but under grace. Will you join me as we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that this morning we gather together in your name, and we say thank you for your wonderful grace. Thank you for your resurrection life that gives life to all who place their trust in you. Thank you that you now live a life to God and that you live forever to glorify the Father and that you're seated in the heavens. You rule and reign over everything, but yet you see us down here and you're praying for us, you're encouraging us, and you've given your spirit to us to empower us, to teach us, and to comfort us. And we thank you that we can be here in a place like this, on a morning like this, that it's not by accident, but it's by your hand, it's by your choice. And so since we're here on this morning in this place, we trust that you want to meet with us and you have a word for us. So help us to tune out distractions. Help us to listen with our ears and listen with our hearts. And God, help us not miss what you have for us. Or we also ask that you would help us to continue to, to be in prayer and to bring support for for things that go on outside of our buildings. Lord, as we look across our, our neighborhoods and, and we see families that have needs, or whether it's sickness or financial need or just encouragement, help us to be your hands and feet, to be encouragers. Lord, help us to be bold with our communications that we wouldn't be ashamed of the name of Jesus, but they would speak it proudly. We would speak it with confidence and boldness because there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. And Lord, we pray for areas of crisis and turmoil. We continue to lift up the people and the nation of Ukraine to you. Lord, asking for your intervention. And Lord, you to rise up as their defender and you to rise up good people to do the right thing at the right time. Lord, help us to see that you spared 
no expense and that you gave your very life for us and you give us the encouragement that we should lay down our life for our friends. So Lord, teach us through these seasons of life what it means to sacrifice. Sometimes it may just mean giving up time or something we'd like to do. Other times it would mean giving up of what we have. And Lord, in some cases you call people around the world to give their very lives for you. But Lord, help us to see that while this world is filled with trouble, that those are just light and momentary afflictions. But you're building in your people an exceeding weight of glory. And we have the privilege here to gather in your name and to worship you with song and with word and with our gifts. And we pray for you to give us cheerful hearts, to bring glad gifts to you because you have given us everything. Lord, if we give everything we have and even give ourselves away to you, it wouldn't even begin to measure up what you sacrificed for us. So, Lord, take the little that we have that we give to you and multiply it for your work, for the good news of Jesus to spread from this place to the ends of the earth. Help us to worship you this morning in spirit and in truth, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
ever wonder to yourself, why would God do something for me? The, the first line of that chorus and the first part of John 3.16 answers that question for us. For God so loved the world. And since you're finding your way to Matthew chapter 3, just take a moment just to think about that and just remind yourselves that you are loved by, by God. He has a purpose. He has a plan for you. He has a mission that is unstoppable. He has a kingdom that is unshakable and he wants you to be a part of it. He wants your friends, your neighbors to be a part of it. And it's expanding and it's growing. And in the end, he has already won and we have victory in him. We've been looking at for the last few weeks, just the the overall topic, considering Jesus being above all things. And last week we took a look in the Old Testament in Psalm chapter 2 of this psalm of of coronation of this Messiah King that was coming that we find out in the New Testament is the Lord Jesus Himself. It sets the stage for the, the Gospels that give us the account of the coming of Jesus, starting with His birth, His early childhood, which we know very little about. And then finally, what we're going to look at this morning is when Jesus enters His public ministry through this time of his baptism. And I want us to just think about this morning, you know, that Jesus is above all things, but even though he is above everything, he can still relate to you personally on your level. Even though God is above everything, he can still connect with you where you're at right now. If you're struggling with pain, he he understands. If you're struggling with depression, he, he cares. If you're overwhelmed with grief or sadness, He understands and He weeps along beside you. If you're enjoying a wonderful season of excitement and joy, He celebrates with you. He's able to identify with you. If you're struggling in sin, if you're battling and fighting against temptation, You have an advocate. You have a champion. You have one who was tested and tried in every way, but yet did not sin. And he secured the victory. And he not only gives you the key to victory through his power in you, but he's praying for you as you walk in life. And as we turn to this idea of the baptism of Jesus, I want us to hopefully, by the time we're finished, understand why was Jesus baptized and what does it mean 
What did it mean then, and what does it mean to you today? And the main thought that I want you to focus on is that this bab- the baptism of Jesus announced his mission, and it identified him with sinful humanity. So this twofold idea that it announced his mission coming into the world, and then identifies him with sinners, people like you and me. But let's read together Matthew chapter 3. You can also find the record of his baptism in, in Luke and in Mark as well, but we'll read it here from Matthew, and we'll start in verse 1 and start with the coming of this peculiar prophet with a bold message named John. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. He was vegan before vegan was cool, I guess. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John, to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Will you join me in just a brief prayer? Father, we thank you that this morning we focus our attention toward your beloved Son, who pleases you in every way. And we ask that you would teach us from the truth of your word, by the power of your Spirit, for our good, and for your glory. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the verses we read, we catch just a glimpse of 
what the ministry of this man John was. The one who would come before Jesus to proclaim the coming of the kingdom with a very powerful message. Repent. The kingdom of God is here. And we see that he wore strange clothes and he ate strange food. But his message was reaching the hearts of people. And we find that many people were coming to him. They were repenting of their sins and they were being baptized by John in the Jordan River. And that that baptism was a baptism marking their repentance, confession of their sins and turning from their sinfulness. But we also saw that there was another one who was coming after John. And John proclaims for all to see that he, Jesus, would baptize with the Holy Spirit and the fire, not water. And one day, Jesus, the the very man that John was speaking and teaching and talking about, came to him while he was baptizing in the Jordan River. And so I have three things in the outline that you don't have in front of you that I want you to to understand. And the first thing is just this, is that Jesus came to be baptized by John. Now, it seems like a very simple statement of fact, but we have to understand that every single thing Jesus did had a purpose. There was no wasted motion or action in Jesus' life. Everything he did was a part of God's plan. Nothing happened by accident or by a whim. And so his walk, depending on where actually was, could have been up to about six miles from the region of Galilee down to the Jordan River, was no exception. It was a purposeful walk. He came to be baptized. And you might think, like I would probably think, why in the world would Jesus need to be baptized? Baptized. After all, we find out that John is baptizing people for what? Repentance. They're confessing their sins. And here comes Jesus, the one that we know because the Bible teaches that he's God in the flesh. John tells us, Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was perfect. He was sinless. And there was absolutely nothing that he needed to repent from. But he came to be baptized by his choice because Jesus wanted to please his father. And it was in the father's perfect time that Jesus would step out of obscurity, being relatively unknown, and into his public ministry. And so on the banks of a river, he comes to John to be baptized. Now put yourself in the camel hair for just a moment and imagine that you are John. How in the world would you feel in that moment to look and see the one who is greater than you, the one you've been talking about, the one that you're not even worthy to to bend down and pick up his sandals, shows up and wants to be baptized by you? And verse 14 gives us a little bit of that, what was going through his mind, because it says John would have prevented him. John would have said, no, this shouldn't happen. In fact, he says, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me for baptism. John realized in his mind, well, there was probably a baptism that needed to happen, but 
it probably should be the other way around, that Jesus should be the one baptizing him. And as one person said that tries to put some words in John's mouth is, you know, John would have said to Jesus, I need your spirit and fire baptism. You don't need my water baptism. And so filled with this wonder and awe, John tries to stop him. However, it was God's plan and it needed to happen. And when I thought about that, that it was God's plan and it needed to happen, and there was someone protesting, I was thinking about our own lives and the truth of the matter that we never really fully we never really know what God's plan is until we start to seek the Lord about it. And a caution just came up to me that we, we don't need to be too quick to reject something that God is doing in our lives. I mean, let's be honest, sometimes things happen in our lives that we, we don't like. Sometimes it's something that hurts. Sometimes it's something that makes us feel uncomfortable. But as we seek the Lord and we listen to Him, we might just find out that it's something that's a part of His plan. It's exactly what John understands there. Because God had an intended purpose, and that was for Jesus to be baptized in John for, by John. But why? So the second thing is that Jesus was baptized, and you see the phrase there in the verse, to fulfill all Righteousness. It's in verse 15. Jesus answered, Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. So you see a, a, a collective effort. It's going to be us, John. It's going to be you and I. You're going to baptize me. It's to have a purpose to fulfill righteousness. And then we have three words that show John yielded to Jesus. Then he consented. But what in the world could it mean or does it mean when Jesus says it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness? We've already said that God had a a plan and this baptism was a part of God's perfect plan, a right plan, a good plan. And Jesus lives forever to Please his Father. He only wants to do what the Father intends for him to do. And he only does what he sees his Father doing. And so his baptism demonstrated that perfect obedience to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for his perfect righteousness and that by faith we stand safe and secure in him because he was perfectly obedient. And that obedience fulfilled Scripture. All the promises, all the prophecies in the Old Testament that speak of Jesus are fulfilled in Him. And then it identified Him for all the public to see with this coming kingdom of God. Now it also was probably a great encouragement to this man, John. Could you imagine his 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 cousin is there, he's preaching this message of repentance. People are being baptized, and then here Jesus shows up and is baptized as well, validating his ministry. John, the one who Jesus would say, there was no one on earth greater than he. But there's more to this fulfilling of righteousness, this humble act of obedience, Jesus being baptized there in the river 
identified Jesus with sinners. So remember, if there was a line of people or there were people there waiting to be baptized, they were confessing their sins, they were repenting of their sins, and then they were being baptized. But here we have Jesus, sinless, and no need for Him to repent. I think it's a picture of the truth that that Jesus took the burden of our sin as His own. The weight of our guilt, our, our shame, the penalty of our sin, He took as His very own. That's why when Isaiah is talking and describing this servant who would come and suffer and die, that he says that Jesus, the Messiah, was numbered with the transgressors. He was counted among the guilty even though he was not guilty. And as the late radio Bible preacher J. Vernon Geek describes it, he said, here is a king who identifies with his subjects. He relates to us. He identified with us at his baptism. He identified with sinners and when He gets to the cross. He bears the sins of the world. That's why when we read Paul's words to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become what? The righteousness of God. But this baptism also points to His death, His burial, and His resurrection. I think baptism is is a powerful picture. It's a a wonderful sign. You see, when Jesus went under the water there in the Jordan, it pointed to His death and to His burial. In fact, when a Christian is baptized today, we say they're, they're buried with Christ when we lower them under the water, but we don't leave them down there, do we? No. Um, we raise them up. And when they come up out of the water, we usually say that they're raised to to new life. And when Jesus went down and came up, it was a picture of His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Now, it's hard for us to understand because we don't have the ability to see ahead very far. We certainly can't foresee what's going to happen. But Jesus knew from the very beginning that He would die for the sins of the world. It wasn't just a plan that developed because of an emergency. It was God's plan and His purpose. And so what happened on that day at the Jordan River foreshadowed a cross that would stand on a hill and a tomb that would be abandoned in a garden after three days when He would rise from the grave. And His baptism was an act of obedience, of humility that had a great purpose and to show the importance of this moment. Matthew records for us that the heavens were opened. That's the third thing, that there was a a testimony from heaven. Look at verse 16, the first part. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to Him. 
Now, this is much more than just watching the clouds being parted and being able to look up and see the sun shining or the moon glowing. No, it's a, it's a powerful display of, of God's appearance. Other places in Scripture, in Ezekiel, when it talks about this, it says, The Lord opened the heavens and Ezekiel saw visions of God. Isaiah 64, it says, Isaiah prayed for the Lord to rend the heavens and come down. And actually, this word doesn't mean like a a curtain opening for a play to begin, but it actually means like a tearing of the heavens, like the veil was torn from top to bottom. And when Stephen is standing there, falsely accused and being stoned, he saw the heavens open and Jesus standing at God's right hand. And when you get to Revelation chapter 4, John saw a door standing open in heaven. And right after, immediately after Jesus is baptized, God opens the heavens. They're torn open. And His glory is displayed. His presence is made known. And the truth is revealed that God is not far away. In fact, one person, Dr. Griffin, says this, the heavens are torn asunder to show how near God is to Jesus and how near Jesus is to God. It's a beautiful picture of the unity that there is in the Trinity of God, that Jesus is there baptized. The Father opens the heaven, and we'll see in the the next verse that the Spirit descends and the Father speaks. In fact, go ahead and look at verse 16. He says, And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. So heavens are torn open. The Spirit of God comes down like a dove. It was a very visible expression of the Holy Spirit where people could see it, would easily be able to see it. Now we see the, the, the dove in the Bible being a, a bird of peace, a bird of, of cleanliness, a bird that was used for, for sacrifice. It represents also the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you remember that after the flood, when the earth is being made new again, that it's a dove that God sends out, uses Noah, and it comes back with the olive branch. And so this dove not only represents the very presence of the Holy Spirit, but also points to Jesus' role in the new creation, that He is making all things new. It's a wonderful symbol of the Father's approval of the mission, and it was a great sign that Jesus indeed was the Messiah. We don't have record of it in Scripture, but but I would imagine at least in the heart of John and maybe others that a worship service just broke out, that here was the very Messiah, the very beginning, the launching point of Jesus' public ministry. And from that moment, He would go on to teach, to preach, to love and to heal, all in the power of God's Spirit, ultimately coming to make everything New. But this visible sign, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove, was also met with an audible voice. 
that God speaks from heaven with a testimony that Jesus was the beloved Son of God. Look at verse 17. And behold, there's that word, behold again, pay attention, reveal to us. A voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well If you're familiar a little bit with your Bible, you'll recognize that after Malachi, from the ending of Malachi to the coming of John the Baptist, there is a period of silence. No prophets, no word from the Lord. And after these years of silence, God speaks again, first with the calling of a man in the wilderness, and then once again with the very words of God from heaven, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We can say it, but I don't think we begin to grasp the depth of the fact that Jesus was loved by His Father. That His mission, this mission of salvation, redemption, was planned and approved by the Father. And His words thunderously come from heaven to proclaim the truth that Jesus is God's Son. Similar to the wording of Psalm 2 we looked at last week. That He is the Messiah King from the line of David promised for years. And that He is the One who is the suffering servant of Isaiah and that God is in every way perfectly pleased with Him. It's good news because If you have a relationship with Jesus, the one who God is perfectly pleased with, He looks upon you with that same love and favor. Your sins aren't counted against you. When God looks at you, He sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus. And that's encouraging, at least to me. And when the heavens open at Jesus' baptism, there's no doubt in the mind of anyone there, that Jesus was who He was, who the Bible said He would be, and He came to do what the Bible said He would do. Or to say, like we said at the beginning, that the baptism of Jesus announced His mission and identified Him with sinners. So we've looked at the the information, and we would be amiss if we didn't Consider how in the world this would apply to us. We could walk away easily saying, well, that's, that's good, that's encouraging, it's true. Jesus was baptized by John because it was God's plan. But I think we find a word of encouragement and a word of, of challenge in it. The, the encouragement is simply this, is that Jesus is who He says He is and will do everything that God entrusted him to do. Now that sounds simple, and you may just immediately think, well, I know that. And maybe you do know it, but are you dwelling on that? Are you focusing on that? Sometimes we need to be reminded of things, not because, for no other reason than the idea that we sometimes forget. How many times has somebody said something to you and, you know, ask you a question, you're like, well, I don't remember. And then they say the answer, and you say, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I think our relationship, our, our, our knowledge of who God is is sometimes like that. 
that we have learned it, we've acquired the knowledge, but sometimes it just gets tucked away somewhere and we kind of lose track of it. So we need to be reminded on that. That he's who the Bible says he is and he's going to do everything that he proclaims to do. And so a few of these reminders are he's the Savior of everyone who puts their faith in him. And that reminds me that he is the hope for everyone. No one is excluded. He came to be the Savior of the world. So don't give up on yourself when you struggle. Don't give up on your family member or your friend that you've been praying for. There's hope for everyone. I think there's another thing as we look at this that, that even though the day is dark and it's getting darker, Jesus is the light of the world. As we see darkness seem to prevail, darkness seem to, to gain ground in advance, realize that there's going to come a day when that's going to come to an end. Jesus wins. He's Lord over all things. And I wrote that down to encourage me and maybe you to to fight worry with truth and with prayer. Take those things that you write on your worry list and move them over on another sheet of paper to things that Jesus is Lord over. So take them off your worry list and put them on the Jesus is Lord over list in truth and in prayer. Be reminded through this instance, through seeing Jesus be obedient in baptism, that he loves you and he gave his life for you. You matter. Every one of you, he cares for you and you you can... Put all your trust in Him. Depend on Him. He'll never disappoint you. But there's also an encouragement and exhortation that those who put their trust in Jesus should follow His example in baptism. That because Jesus was baptized, He sets an example or a model for us. Now, we have to be careful when we talk about baptism because baptism doesn't save anyone. It doesn't do anything magical or transformational. It's, no, it's, just, it's an outward sign of what has already happened on the inside. That when we say we're buried to sin and raised to new life in Jesus, it means that there was a death that occurred, but it was the death of yourself, giving up your ways, your thoughts, your actions, and trusting in faith Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to become the Lord of your life. And it's simply just a public testimony. It's saying in the wetness of baptism that you belong to Jesus, that you're a new creation. But beyond that, because we we are baptized, it identifies us with Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Remember, under the water, it's his death and burial. Emerging out of the water, it's raised to new life. And that baptism marks the start of a new life for all to see. The new life may have already started, but it's just a a public decree for everyone to see that you are born again. 
that you're a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. That Jesus, not with water, but with His blood, has washed and cleansed you from sin. See, our baptism announces our identity with Jesus and shows our obedience to His command. That you can follow His example in baptism. You can obey His command and you can testify to the world that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. See, when Jesus was baptized, God announced to the world, the Messiah is here. Salvation has come. Trust in His name and live for His sake. Will you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, we thank You that You suffered and died on our behalf. We thank You that You were obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, that we might have life by faith and trust in You. And on the 20th of March, 2022, we need to be reminded and daily reminded that you are above all things, yet you can relate to us. That you're not only Lord over all the evil that's in the world, but you're also Lord of the wickedness that tries to rule and reign in our hearts and minds. You are Lord over every enemy, even the enemies that torment us on the inside. And that you came to give us freedom and life. So Jesus, we pause and we say thank you. Thank you for being who you are and for doing what you do. We love you so much. Lord, direct our minds right now and our hearts toward you. Help us to see the depth of your love. Help us to see our great need and see that they're both met in you. And if we have made that choice and that decision, Lord, help us to rejoice and to turn our lives fresh and new toward you. And if we've never made that choice, Lord, I pray that in the hearts that are here that you would see, help them to see that salvation is faith, through faith in Jesus Christ, we repent, we turn from our sin, and we turn toward you. And Lord, if we've made that decision, but we've never stepped forward to be baptized, I pray that you would just give us an encouragement, strengthening, a challenge to, to move forward in obedience, to give a testimony for all to see of what you have done in our lives and in our hearts. Help us to know how to respond to your word this morning, Lord, because you, you know us. And help us to hear what you would have us to do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll stand in just a moment and, and sing together. It's the, the chance that we have at the close of our service to respond to the truth um, of God's word. Maybe this morning it's just a, an expression of praise and thanks to God for what He's done for you, for how He has worked in your life and continues to work. Maybe it's a fresh reminder of the fact that even though He's above all things, that He is with you where you are, and there's nothing that will escape Him, nothing that He can't 
help you deal with or to get through. Or maybe today it's the day that you place your trust in Him and say, Jesus, I want to walk with you today. Or maybe you need to, to just move forward in that next step and be baptized for all to see that God's made a difference, a change in your life. Whatever the decision is, the choice that He has you to make, to trust it, He'll lead you to do it in His love and grace. But I do invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing together. And as we sing, um, just respond to the voice of the Lord. together in song and worship with you this morning and just trust that the Lord will bless you this week as you experience his presence through his word and your time in prayer. Thank you for being here. We're going to join in song together as we we depart. And so when we start singing, you're free to go. Lord bless you.